Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Kernels of Truth brought to you by Progress Kentucky. We have a fine episode for you this week. We're going to be revisiting the terrible tornado tragedies that hit Western Kentucky last week. We're going to be looking at the best and the worst of humanity that showed up in the Twister's 230-mile-long track. Uh, Doug Price is going to bring us a few bills that have been pre-filed in Frankfurt for the upcoming General Assembly. Uh, not, not, not any good ones, unfortunately, I think. Uh, a lot of bad bills piled up, queued up, ready to go. Uh, then we're going to welcome Carrie Ray with the Mountain Association to talk about how federal infrastructure programs could help communities struggling with high energy bills. Uh, we're going to then close with our call to action and events calendar. Uh, so that's the show. You should spend some time with us and try to get it done in under an hour. Should be a fun time this week uh, with Progress Kentucky. So thanks so much for tuning in uh, and and joining the fight to turn Kentucky purple. Uh, you are you are joining the fight to turn Kentucky purple, right? Because we we have got uh, some work to do uh, if we're going to beat back the red wave of bad politics and policy from the GOP supermajority in Frankfurt, from efforts to gerrymander de- Democrat Democrats out of existence to ending all abortion access in our Commonwealth. We need help to stand effectively against the GOP supermajority. If you want a Commonwealth that works for all of us, please join Progress Kentucky. Uh, you can do it in a few different ways. You can send us money. That's cool. We've got a secure Act Blue account you can uh, make a donation to. Uh, you can also just join the social media army. Help us, you know, kind of juice the algorithm every time you, you see our stuff. Share it, like it, comment on it. Uh, unfortunately, Facebook is now the de facto public square and so we're there uh and that's because that's where people are but we're also on twitter we're also on instagram uh wherever you spend time on social media we're there just go ahead and share out our stuff uh but let's go ahead and and get into the show check in with our amazing co-hosts uh we're gonna let you know who we are where we are and what our protest sign says today because of course what are we are we just some you know talking head news show no, we're not that. We are a digital demonstration uh, for a better Kentucky. So if you're going to come to a demonstration, you should bring a sign. So let us know what your sign says today. So I'm Aaron. Uh, I'm coming to you from Childsburg, uh, a community just just uh, inside the growth boundary of Lexington. Uh, and my sign says, listen to the miners' mansion. And if you don't get what that reference is... Uh, We'll probably share some stuff out on Facebook. Uh, anyway, uh, let's move on to my friend and yours, Doug Price. Good evening, everybody. I'm Doug Price from Harrison County, Kentucky, uh, the Kentucky home of 3M and the only place in the world where post-it notes are made along with a number of other 3M products. My protest sign says, I'm going to hold it up. I always have a sign. We demand fair maps. Fair maps. Fair maps. That's a good idea. We should have some fair maps. Uh, all right. Uh, and I think I think we've got our friend uh, Kimberly Cecil Jones here back to, back with us this week. Hi, everybody. And if you see all of this behind me, it's because I'm backing. So uh, excuse the disarray. Uh, I'm coming to you live from Louisville, Kentucky. And my sign says... Build back better bill must pass. That's like a tongue twister, right? Build back better bill must pass. I like back it. Better bill must pass. Hi. That's like a tongue Hi. Twister, right? uh, sorry, I'm having a little bit of technical difficulties over here. I'm trying to deal with. Uh, all right. So the show. How about the show? Let's do the show. Who's Who's into the show? Uh, all right, let's get into some stories. We got news of the week coming at you. Uh, the first story we wanted to cover is a kind of collection of stories. So the kind of good news, bad news. I think we're going to start with the bad news because I'd like to end with a little bit of hope. So as we look at what happened in Western Kentucky, the amazing tragedies, the horrible impact of those uh, tornado, the tornado, multiple tornadoes, cluster tornadoes. Uh, we did a whole episode on this last week. If you want to kind of get in, get in depth on some of it, what we're now seeing in the wake of that disaster are you know folks stepping up uh, and doing good things and doing bad things. The first 
uh, is the bad. So there are warnings out right now uh, that, you know, FEMA is telling folks, check credentials, uh, make sure contractors are legit, make sure that folks you're talking to uh, about FEMA are in fact FEMA, uh, make sure that the Red Cross folks you were talking to who are offering help with strings attached make sure they're really legit, right? So be careful. Uh, you know, the Red Cross isn't going to ask you for money for their services. FEMA is not going to ask you for money for their services. Uh, just be, be uh, you know, there are a lot of folks who kind of move in and, and take advantage of folks who are, uh, you know, who aren't doing, doing great in this, the wake of the disaster. Please do keep your wits about you. Uh, and uh, check in on that. So uh, that's the first story. Uh, and then story number two uh, in this uh, this roundup, uh, four folks from Michigan have been arrested for looting uh, in the wake of the uh, in the wake of the uh, the tornadoes. So they drove on down from Michigan, thought they might be able to steal some stuff because you know nothing's like tacked down anymore, not as many locked doors uh, in the area, but the cops did catch them. Uh, they have, in fact, been arrested, but not just the four tweakers from Michigan. Because if you look at the images, I, uh, Annabelle, I've actually got an image there if you want to pull it up. I'm um, sorry if it's not noted in the runner show, but yeah, there we are. Not not good looking folks, those two guys. Um, number one warning sign, is there a big neck tattoo? Uh, yeah, so these guys were arrested for, uh, you know, for, for theft. They're also arrested for uh, possession of methamphetamines, and one of the guys is a felon with a gun, so another another law that was broken there. So not, Michigan not sending their best. I'm sure Michigan is sending a lot of great folks to come and help out, but these are not the best folks. Uh, so yeah, and again, these four, and then, uh, you know, uh, I think a number of other folks arrested, 11 folks uh, in total, arrested, arrested for this type of behavior. Really horrible. But thankfully, lots more examples of folks coming together across our commonwealth and our country. Uh, so uh, the, you know, the UK Wildcats basketball coach, John Calipari, uh, is partnering with Samaritan's Feet uh, to bring, uh, I think, 5,000 pairs of shoes at first to folks who've lost everything. New shoes, always well appreciated. Uh, and then uh, this amazing image, and I don't know if Annabelle can share it or not, but we have, uh, you know, Eastern Kentucky uh, really showing up for Western Kentucky. I think uh, over 40 uh, school buses uh, stuffed the bus campaign where people, uh, the school districts, school districts in Eastern Kentucky coordinated bringing different uh, goods that were really you know, ne necessary for these people who are trying to, you know, just live in the wake of this disaster and, uh, and just school bus after school bus after school bus uh, on the road to Western Kentucky, uh, just filled to the, you know, the brim with donations uh, really fantastic. I think we've got a, a link in the comments so you can take a look at it if we can't find the, the way to show it. But it's really an impressive uh, uh, just outpouring of support. Um, you know, and I think volunteer stuff is really important for sure, right? Like the volunteerism is wonderful. Uh, but, you know, the federal government is stepping up as well. Uh, Kentucky's going to re receive news today. Kentucky will receive $8 million dollars for tornado employment relief. So the U.S. Department of Labor is going to send $8.3 million to Kentucky to support disaster relief employment in the wake of that uh, tornado. So, you know, it's the first increment of uh, up to $25 million to assist workers who have been dislocated by the wreckage of this uh, these storms. Uh, these dislocated worker grants are available in the eight counties where FEMA has declared a disaster emergency. That's Caldwell, Fulton, Graves, Hopkins, Marshall, Mullenberg, Taylor, and Warren County. Uh, these are folks who, anyone who was you know, temporarily or permanently laid off as a result of the disaster, uh, long-term unemployed workers as defined by the state, self-employed individuals who became unemployed or underemployed uh, because of the disaster. So really, I think, good to see the federal government step up. And I was thinking about that because we covered this in depth last week, but of course, Rand Paul, you know, who voted, has famously voted against every disaster expenditure at the federal government level because of his like nuanced and principled position. Like if we don't cut spending, we shouldn't increase spending. And of course, he never, that's not how disaster bills work. You don't have to have a like pay for somewhere. So he votes against disaster bills. He of course has 
shut up about that in the wake of this disaster. He wants the money, bring the federal government money. Uh, but I did see today earlier, that, you know, Kentucky is, a, you know, is a poor state. Let's just be honest with ourselves. We're a poor state. We're a scrappy state. We're a great state on a lot of levels. But we are, we're, you know, in the uh, you know, vernacular of the right wing, right? The makers and the takers. We are a taker state. Every uh, every you know, resident of Kentucky receives about fourteen thousand dollars more in federal uh, support than we pay in federal taxes. So we are basically being bolstered by big, rich, blue states. So again, these things like this eight point three million dollars that's coming to us, it's not probably from you know Kentucky taxpayers it's from New York and California taxpayers who pay into this larger you know pay in, pay in more than they get uh, and so I think it's just really important to think through as, as we are you know considering how uh, how important federal programs can be we'll talk about that later I think with our guest uh, Carrie Ray we talk about some of the federal programs can help some of our communities. But really good to see the federal government stepping up. Really good to see, you know, Samaritan's feet uh, helping to bring shoes. Really wonderful to see those, you know, those teachers and school districts uh, from Eastern Kentucky showing up for Western Kentucky. And I, I, you know, I see some hope here for sure. Uh, I don't know about y'all. What do you think, uh, Doug? You have hope, hope as you as you survey this, or are you, uh, you know, a little bit more cynical? Oh, I definitely have hope. It's it's amazing the amount of people who have who have come forward, not from just Kentucky, Eastern Kentucky or Western Kentucky, not just the United States. We have people who are concerned about uh, what is going on, the tornado, the effects of that, and uh, you know it's it's going to be it's going to be a long time before things are back to normal. But I believe that the people of Kentucky are up to the challenge and that uh, Maysville and Dawson Springs and uh, Barnsley and Bremen will, they'll be rebuilt. And of course, Doug, you grew up or you're from one of those hard hit communities, right? Uh, yes. My wife and I both grew up in Hopkins County and uh, I grew up in Arlington, which was not really hit by the tornado, but my wife grew up in Barnsley and uh, several houses were destroyed there. Her family home was not destroyed. It had some damage, but others right around it were destroyed. It's just, it's just horrible to look at. Yeah. Yeah. I got to imagine. Uh, and of course, last week we had Barry Craig, who was from Mayfield, uh, talking about his impressions of it, the storm. So, uh, and then some of the, we showed actually some of Barry's, uh, images, I think earlier as we were talking about the disaster. So thanks again to Barry Craig for sharing those, those, uh, images. Uh, Kimberly, what, what's your take? Are you hopeful? Are you, you know, what's, as you look at this disaster and the response, you think we can come back from this? I believe underneath the leadership of Governor Andy Bashir, we will be able to come back from just about anything. He's like Superman, right? Um, but uh, I, yeah, I'm I'm hopeful. Sorta. So, so I mean, it's it, these these storms are hitting communities, and I made this point last week. These storms are hitting communities that were not necessarily secure. Right. So if we if we think back to the census and what was kind of happening, you know, the census has shown very clearly that there's these rural communities are shrinking. These small towns are shrinking and the larger metropolitan areas are growing in the suburbs and exurbs. That's where the growth is in this in this state. And it's not overall you know, an amazing amount of growth. But people are moving from those communities. So the fact that they were just walloped by these storms makes it incredibly challenging to rebuild when maybe you already already had kind of one foot out the community right uh because of the job opportunities because whatever you know so i i'm hopeful and you know kimberly you're right i would never bet against andy Bashir. like that guy is hope but he's also smart and he also knows how to get government working for the people so yeah i but i do think that it's just it's hitting communities that were not strong to begin with uh and we're in a kind of a, a tough spot kind of demographically uh, so really is certainly, I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I am hopeful, but I just, you know, you got to do it with an eye towards the realistic situation of what we're dealing with on the ground there. So, um, you know, I hope everyone who wants to come back and rebuild has the resources to do it. 
Uh, and I think that, you know, the, the, the fundraising that's been done has been really impressive. They, sh- you know, the kind of immediate needs that have been, you know, met by donations and programs have been, I think, impressive. Uh, I also know, you know, firsthand that it's really challenging to kind of maneuver through that stuff. So when I was living in New Orleans, you know, and, and Hurricane Katrina hit, it, you know, FEMA is, it's good at doing some things. It's not good at everything. I think it's better now than it was then. But it is a federal bureaucracy you have to kind of deal with. Uh, so it's not just, you know, your your Uncle Joe coming by and, and giving you a big check. Right. It is. It's a it's it's a bit of a challenge. So I my heart goes out to everyone who's dealing with it. Timing's horrible. It's not how you want to spend the holidays, but uh, very, very much hopeful that we will move forward and that we'll have uh, you know positive outcomes overall. And again, you know, the outpouring of support is absolutely hopeful. So, uh, all right, let's move on to story number two, uh, which is Doug's take on the what fresh hell awaits us in Frankfurt with these pre-filed bills. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, tonight, I'm going to talk about the upcoming Kentucky Legislature General Session. The bad thing about this session is it's what they call the long session. It'll start uh, the first week of January and will continue through almost the month of March. Uh, I'm going to highlight some of the pre-filed bills, but first I want to talk about the one that has not been filed yet. We've talked about this before, but it's a redistricting bill. Odds are this is the first bill that will be heard and will be fast-tracked through the legislature and passed, then sent to the governor for him to either sign into law or another choice he has. He has, uh, he can allow the bill to become law without his signature or more probable be vetoed. After the veto, the Republican-controlled General Assembly will overturn the veto and the Republican redistricting plan will become law. I really hope I'm wrong about this. But I believe the bill that the Republicans pass is not going to be fair and balanced. Uh, I think it's going to benefit the uh, Republicans as opposed to being something that should be fair for everybody. But the good thing about it, if that does happen, it will be followed by a legal challenge. So I would say everybody stay tuned. If you're interested in previewing the pre-filed bills, then you can go to the following website, legislature.ky.gov. I'm gonna highlight three bills that have been filed. The first one has been assigned number 60. There are several representatives there. I think they're all Republican. Uh, I'll mention a couple of names you may have heard of. My legislator, Mark Hart, Kim King, uh, Savannah Maddox, Felicia Rayborn. Um, Those are some of them that are on this bill and a couple of the other bills I want to talk about. This bill is an effort to make sure that public schools in Kentucky do not teach critical race theory. Those words are not used in the bill, but here's a description of the bill. The bill would prohibit public K-12 schools from offering any curriculum or classroom discussions about designated concepts related to race, sex, and religion. This is an attempt by the Republican-controlled legislature to dictate what is taught in public schools. I guess the question is, should we be watching for the movie, Children of the Handmaids? The second bill, bill request number 65, Currently, schools can require parents to furnish proof of vaccinations. This bill would not allow any school, any business, or governmental unit to require a vaccine passport. This proposed bill definition of vaccine passport means documentation that an individual has been vaccinated against SARS-CoV-2. And the kicker of this bill The bill would allow the Cabinet for Health and Family Services to impose a fine not to exceed $5,000 per violation of this act. So an agency that is supposed to promote health and family services will be put in the position of fining any entity, school, business, whatever, that chooses to require proof of vaccination. Bill request number 69 
several of the same representatives are signed on to this one, including uh, my representative, Kim King, uh, Felicia Rayborn, and uh, Savannah Maddox, I think is probably on this one too. Um, and this is another bill aimed at critical race theory, which is not taught in public schools and is really another, what I would call a boogeyman bill. Here's a definition of the boogeyman, a mythical creature used by adults to frighten children into good behavior. CRT is a subject taught in upper level law school classes. CRT is a way of studying systemic racism and its impact on society and how systemic racism permeates many aspects of society today. It also looks back at racial implications at the creation of a law and how it is addressed currently and why it is studied at the graduate level. I have a comment here from uh, Rob Clayton, who's the board chair of the Warren County Schools. This bill in Frankfurt deals with really censoring what can or cannot be shared in the classroom. This is not something that I, as a superintendent, am supportive of. Again, provided that the discussion is developmentally appropriate and does fit within not only the scope of the curriculum, but also some of the social emotional needs of our students. Western Kentucky University professor, Dr. Sandra Ardry, agreed with Clayton and said that many people have misinformed opinions about CRT. They don't understand the theory and what it means. It has been used as a political football to cause division or to continue divisions. And all this theory is saying, let us at least recognize and study that gender may have an impact. Race may have an impact. You may conclude that it does not, but how do you know for sure if we're not talking about it? What are you afraid of? This is a bill that works to rile up the Republican base in Kentucky and create an issue where there really is no current problem. I have highlighted three bills to watch. There are over 170 bills that have been pre-filed and before the 2022 general session is over on March 14th, there will be hundreds of bills filed. Progress Kentucky will track these bills and keep you informed. So stay tuned to the kernels of truth as we bring the truth to you. We are your progressive voice. All right. Uh, yeah, so those are some some bad bills for sure. Uh, you know, the whole critical race theory thing, it's like, you're you're right, Doug, right? It is, it's this law school concept that's not actually ever taught in school, but it's, you know, it's code words. It's how, you know, you kind of rile up your base, give them something new to be afraid of. And I mean, yeah, like the idea that we've got lawmakers getting in the way of teachers so that they can't teach an honest reflection of our history as a nation is just, you know, it's, it's astounding. Uh, it's frightening uh, because we know that they have, you know, uh, the Republicans have a so we've said before, super duper majority in uh, in both chambers. So, you know, if we don't start sending smart, thoughtful folks back to Frankfurt, you know, the Savannah Maddoxes are going to carry the day and these outrageous bills are going to just pass and be overwhelmed by, you know, even if the, the governor vetoes them, which, you know, I think he will veto a lot of those those types of bills. Uh, but they'll just be able to overcome them. So it is it's really, uh, I think frightening that that stuff could become you know carry the force of law in the state of kentucky and we might have our you know our teachers ham like all that our teachers are going through so much right now right trying to you know deal with this pandemic trying to deal with the you know the students that have gone through the pandemic they're they don't have the resources they need and then we're going to you know handcuff them and not let them teach uh you know the true history of the united states of america that is just, uh, you know, I think, you know, I guess if your goal is to make sure that we, you know, get rid of all good teachers, then this bill would be one more helpful step, right, for uh, for that. If you want just to make sure that, you know, uh, the, the folks who are the best and the brightest and want to help create the best and the brightest for our commonwealth are kicked out the door, here's one more step you could take, I suppose. I don't know. Kimberly, what do you think? I think that 
it's well overdue to have uh, CRT in the schools. And I do understand that there is a lot of misinformation out here according to what actually it is, but we have to look at it. We have to tell history. We have to tell history correctly. It cannot be biased to one side or another. We all, all of our cultures, are so colorful and plenty and it needs to be represented. And when I think about this, I'm thinking about when I grew up and in school, there was so many things that was not afforded the information or knowledge. I mean, we learned about Martin Luther King, but that was like the extent of it. Maybe Harriet Tubman, maybe, um, W.E.B. Du Bois, you know, something of that nature. But, you know, we really didn't learn about our culture. I can say that with all honesty and respect. We would have to get that information elsewhere from our families, the library, historians. And some people don't learn about anything until they go to college. So um, you asked me earlier if I was hopeful. Uh, I do not believe this will pass in the state of Kentucky. All right. From your lips to, you know, the uh, Senator Stivers and uh, the representatives who are running the show back there. Uh, all right. Um, let's move on. I think what we're going to be doing very soon uh, is talking with, uh, with our guest, but uh, that was, was that? Nope. That's not news of the week. We have a, wait, Sorry. Uh, Aaron got a little bit lost in the run of show. We are going to now move to uh, news under five, maybe minutes. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a, a quick timer and see how many stories Kimberly's gonna get through in under five minutes. I see that she has some important ones queued up, but uh, Doug, you got your timer set. Wait a minute! Don't yes. set the timer just yet. I just do. I really want to tell all of our listeners and viewers that I am so sorry, but there are boxes and everything everywhere. And I just, I don't want you all to see that. Although I look beautiful. I had on my Chanel dress just for you guys. Okay. You can start me right now. Start me. First story is up. According to Wallet Hub, Louisville checks in as the 114th neediest city in the U.S. Lexington is 144th. This study used 182 cities for this study and also found out that 11.4% of the U.S. population were living in poverty in 2020 and 38 million people found themselves experiencing food shortages. Stacker also compiled a list of U.S. states that Kentuckians are moving to. Uh, they're saying there is this thing called a mass exodus of people leaving the state of Kentucky. So I was interested to know, where are they going? Well, the first place they're going, number one, would be Ohio, number two, Indiana, number three, Tennessee, number four, Florida, and number five, Texas. Something that everybody would really love, especially if you're still working, you have that career going on. This is something that's going to you're going to love. Employer based child care match is available for Kentucky businesses in 2022. Employers will have an opportunity to access up to $100,000 in matching state funds to open employer-based childcare sites. Many organizations such as Metro United Way, Kentucky Division of Child Care, and many more have joined in the conversation to help employers attract and retain workforce. Also, uh, a bit of sad news, so to speak. A special election date has been set by Governor Bashir to fill the seat of longtime Kentucky Representative Reginald Meeks. Meeks was the 42nd District's representative for over 20 years, and Meeks said that he wanted to spend more time on his health and family. He was one of four Black lawmakers in the Kentucky House. His legacy will live, and he used to be a co-host on the Jones Report. I've been knowing Reggie since I was about 14 years old, and he was in Louisville running for alderman, which they now call council people. So that's the news in under five. 
That felt like under five to me. What was that, Doug? What was the time? You're you're muted. Uh, whoa, that was the shortest shortest yet. Two twenty four. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> That's uh, amazing. Well, we got yeah. a couple of minutes for some thoughts about you know what I talked about. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. What you you know? I mean, you mentioned Red uh, Reginald Meeks. He's somebody you've worked with. You've known him. He was a co-host on your uh, on your show. What? He, what he's taking time to spend time with his health and his family is that what he's doing well he had some he had some issues with his so his shoulder and he had surgery for that but he's been actually in lawmaking as a legislator with the alderman moving to state representative for over 40 years now. So, and plus I know who he may be seeing. So he might want to spend a little extra time now just to enjoy life. And he is a avid um, hunter and things of this nature. He loves the outdoor and he's really like an uncle to me. He's been so close to the family. So we're sad to see him go, but I'm pretty sure that the 42nd district will be selecting someone that can carry that torch. I'm sure. Yeah. Safe seat for sure. Right. Uh, the, you know, the, the, I'll just say it like I can't I cannot imagine like we were losing Kelly Flood. She's from this area. She's, you know, kind of uh, retiring, not seeking reelection. Like I cannot imagine it's a lot of fun to be a progressive lawmaker in Frankfurt. Right. Like <laughs> staring in the face of these like super duper majorities of reactionary uh, super conservatives. Like who wants that job? Like it really does seem like an unsatisfying way to spend some time. Uh, but I shouldn't say that. Because maybe maybe you're thinking about running for an office and and you should do it uh, because we need better people back there. But just know that, you're, you know, I think we'll, we've had Sherilyn Stevens on before. Stevenson on, like, she does a really good job of like finding Republicans to work with. Like, hey, just take my bill if you like it. Put your name on it. Because I know if you put a you know a Democrat's name on it, it's not going to get a hearing ever even if it's very sensible, common sense legislation, right? So, you know, you have to have the right approach, I think, to be effective back there. But I, I, no matter what your approach is, I, it's got to be frustrating. You know, that front row seat to the circus is, you know, it gets old after a while. I do want to say this. If anybody lives in the 42nd district, that they can um, do the application and there's going, it's, it's going to be very, very quick, even though um, the governor has selected February the 22nd of 2022. However, uh, the executive committee, the voting executive committee of uh, LDs and at large in Jefferson County and the vice president of the 42nd district will be able to vote on this special election which I'll get to vote. So we've already got some people I see that want to come aboard and uh, have the seat uh, that Reginald Meeks had. So if anybody is interested in that, the press releases and everything went out, but I believe that you have to have your application in by Sunday. So they might want to go to the website of LouisvilleDems.com. Check it out. Go run, run for something, run for this seat. That's probably not as bad as I make it out to be. Uh, all right, uh, Doug, anything you want to say? Uh, I just think that uh, after the show, uh, our producer, Annabelle, and myself, uh, and Aaron, we need to get together. And that was a great job by Kimberly in two and a half minutes, but she's been over so many times. I've been oh. keeping track of that. So we need to, we can give her like two and a half minutes, but we'll see where she is after we meet. Oh yeah. Like a running total. We're going to like go. Yeah, some, right. I did not, I did not start the show to do math. Just to be clear, there will be no math on <laughs> the show. Dougie fresh. Under the bus. Right under the bus. That is, that is rough. All right. So we're going to move on uh, because uh, we're going to be speaking with Carrie Ray with the mountain association. But before we bring her on, I wanted to remind our audience of the two ways Progress Kentucky is encouraging folks to help out with Western Kentucky relief and recovery. So the governor, of course, has the Team Western Kentucky Tornado Relief Fund. Really important. 
good way to donate. It's tax deductible. Uh, it's secure. 100% goes to helping people in need. Uh, we'll share that link in the chat so you can uh, make a donation. Uh, and also, I wanted to flag that our partners with the Commonwealth Alliance Donor Table, the Kentucky Civic Engagement Table, or KSET, uh, and Hood to the Holler have started a mutual aid fund to be directed to the grassroots groups supporting short-term and long-term mutual aid and disaster relief for these communities. Uh, we're gonna prior, they're gonna prioritize groups that serve Kentuckians who may otherwise be neglected by relief efforts, particularly black, indigenous, uh, people of color, refugee, immigrant, and poor and working class Kentuckians. And of course, if you know anything about Warren County, Bowling Green actually has a really, uh, you know, kind of strong immigrant and refugee community there. And these are folks who, you know, slip through the cracks. I lived in New, as I mentioned before, I lived in New Orleans through the, the Katrina disaster, was an advisor to a similar grassroots focused fund, really was a critical component of a complete response to community needs because people do slip through the cracks, you know, whether that's Red Cross or FEMA, you know, it's important that groups on the ground have the resources to meet the needs. So please do consider making a donation to that Commonwealth Alliance donor table uh, case set hood to the holler fund as well. So, all right, uh, moving on. So we are going to, we're very excited to join, uh, bring on uh, Carrie Ray. Uh, Carrie Ray has worked with the Mountain Association's energy program since 2017, coordinating with businesses, governments, and nonprofits across the region to help connect them to both knowledge and opportunities regarding energy efficiency, renewable energy, and utility bills. Uh, in addition to coordinating the work of the energy team, Carrie frequently performs utility a utility utility bill reviews that can save thousands for businesses and uh, nonprofits struggling with high energy bills. Uh, Carrie has done a lot of great work in the in nonprofit uh, world for a number of years. She's got a master's degree in international public affairs from the University of Wisconsin at Madison. Go Badgers! Uh, lives in Lexington with her husband and two boys, and enjoys baking, hiking, reading, and talking too much about energy policy and utility reform. So watch Carrie at holiday parties. You might not want to get cornered uh, and learn. <laughs> I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> uh, thanks so much for joining us. I met Carrie uh, when we were doing some lobbying on uh, rooftop solar, trying to save rooftop solar uh, in Kentucky, which although we kind of lost the fight for that bill, <laughs> uh, thankfully the Public Service Commission did, did the right thing ultimately. The only reason they did the right thing, though, is because Andy Bashir won the governor's race and put good people in at the PUC. Because if it was, you know, if it was Matt Bevin's people, I can guarantee you that things would have not gone well for rooftop solar in Kentucky. Elections have. Oh, yes. Uh, hi, Carrie. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. And I, I saw, like, I thought about having you on because I'm not, it's not like I'm a creative and original person. I saw a great op-ed that you wrote in the in the Herald Leader. Uh, and I like, oh, wow, this is really important. And it's really, uh, I think, a good issue to cover, which is how, how you can save people money and federal programs can help save people money in, in, in Eastern Kentucky. But first, tell us a little bit about the Mountain Association and kind of what you, what you guys do. Sure. So the Mountain Association, um, was formerly known as MESED or the Mountain Association for Community Economic Development. Um, we shortened our name uh, in August of last year, 2020 time, I, about that long ago. Um, so now we're just the Mountain Association. It's a lot easier to say and people don't think our acronym is MACED, uh, which is not a great uh, look for us, especially these days. Um, but we have been working in Appalachian, Kentucky for over 40 years, building uh, an economy that is community-based, that's more uh, resilient, more sustainable, more diverse, and more equitable. Um, so we want, we're, we're building an economy from the bottom up that works uh, for more people and brings uh, more people together. And we do that through a number of ways. Um, we have, you know, uh, a small business uh, lending program or a community development financial institution or CDFI, which is basically a nonprofit bank. Uh, so we have a, a very robust uh, entrepreneur um, support program, both through you know, lending and um, technical assistance, connecting entrepreneurs with consultants who can help them with the business plan, um, with you know marketing, websites, financials, et cetera. Um, we do demonstration programs we, where we, we try things out and see if they work. 
Um, we run an air, uh, how to Airbnb program right now for uh, folks in Eastern Kentucky who want to, um, you know, bring in some income by uh, starting, you know, an Airbnb on their property. Um, and then we have our energy program, which um, is what where where I work, um, where we work with uh, small businesses, local governments, nonprofits, um, and us. So homeowners, homeowners in certain um, uh, utility districts, um, where we our goal is to save folks money on their utility bills, um, whether that's through you know uh, energy efficiency or renewable energy. Um, our goal is to lower lower your bills, save you money, uh, so that you can use that money for better things than your than your electric bill or your gas bill. That's awesome. And I, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying yourself. really hard to be concise because I can go on for a really long time. <laughs> Again, don't don't hang out with her at the Christmas party. You're going to hear a lot about utility bills. No, I uh, and, you know, utility bills are critical, right? It's like one of the most, you know, one of the biggest uh, expenses, you know, each and every month. Uh, that kind of second rent or second mortgage uh, and how important it can be to like cut. And I some great examples, I think, of your work of finding you know, finding ways to save money for nonprofits, for businesses. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that stuff's, you know, just the bill itself, let alone, you know, the efficiency program or the renewable energy program. It just seems like there are ways that people are just paying too much because of, I don't know, what the utility is doing, which is, you know, it's not in the utility's best interest to, to save you money. But there are rules and regulations and things that you can kind of, you know, make sure you're taking advantage of. Right. Uh, uh, so tell me a little bit about what that work looks like. So when we the first thing we do when folks contact us uh, um, saying that they you know are interested in our program is this billing review where we look at 12 months of uh, utility bills, um, you know, electric. And if you've got gas, we'll look at your gas bills and we want to see how you're using energy. Um, we want to see, you know, your rate class, make sure you're on the right rate class, because oftentimes utilities will tell you if you're not paying enough, but they often will not tell you if you could be saving um, by being on a different rate class. Um, a lot of times okay, we let find me stop you folks, right there. I'm going to stop you right there, Carrie, because I have no sure. earthly idea what a rate class is. So um, is please tell me what that is and why it matters. So a rate class is... Um, it's the, the, the class of, of uh, customer you are. Or if you're a resident, um, you, if you're a homeowner, you pay your residential rate class, um, which is um, you're going to pay a flat base fee and you're going to pay, which is like the same fee every month. It's like, you know, 15 bucks. It's different for every utility. Um, and you're going to pay and you're going to pay your kilowatt hour usage charge, which is like that 10 cents or 12 cents a kilowatt hour that you pay. Um, and then there's depending on where you live, if you're in eastern Kentucky, you're going to pay like, you know, a whole bunch of uh, surcharges and fees if you're on Kentucky power. Um, but there's always an environmental surcharge, which is the cost that the utilities pay to comply with environmental regulations. And you're going to pay um, a like a small like a dollar or 50 cents, again, depending on the utility um, for your, uh, for a, like a home uh, energy assistance program. So it goes into a pot of funds to help folks who have trouble paying their utility bills. And you're going to have, there's a fuel adjustment charge, which is where, um, you know, utilities, when they set their rates, they, they estimate what they think the fuel is going to cost. And then it gets, you know, changed up, up or down credit or debit on the bill. Um, based on what the actual cost of the fuel is. If you're a commercial customer, you pay both of, you know, all of these things, plus something called a demand charge, which is the rate at which you use energy. Um, and it's not every, and again, if you're, it, depending on the utility, who your electric provider is, you may or may not pay a demand charge. Um, and, you know, the, and you're an, if you're an industrial customer, you know, you might, you're going to, again, pay these things, but there's, you know, a lot of times industrial customers pay a smaller kilowatt hour charge, but a bigger demand fee. It's uh, there's a lot. So there's going different. On these these usually, are all different rates. These are all different kind of like yes. classes of rates. And you could be characterized yes. inappropriately into like 
you know, uh, a, a, the different class. And so you're paying the way too, way too much or something like that. Is that how that works? I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. So a lot of times, you know, for what we see a lot is there's a, a commercial customer. A lot of places will have a couple of a small commercial rate and then a larger commercial rate. So you'll give a, you know, a commercial customer um, when they started their utility, their utility service, they were using a lot of energy. Then they've reduced their energy through some efficiency um, and they should be on the smaller rate now because they are using less energy, but they haven't been moved down to that. And so gotcha. when we when we look at that, you know, we say, hey, you need to be, um, you know, call your utility. You should be on a lower rate class and boom, you're saving $700 a year now and you haven't paid a penny. So those nice. are the kinds of things we look for. Um, you know, we look for uh, sales tax as a thing, uh, you know, a big thing and uh, which can be. Um, a big chunk of change if you are in a, a place that um, if you're with a Kentucky Power or KU will give you a refund of your sale, uh, you know, sales tax up to three years. So that can be several thousand dollars um, credit on your utility bill, uh, plus the money you're saving going forward. So there's there's some money to be found um, oftentimes in utility billing reviews. And awesome. it's always fun to tell people that they've saved money without yeah. doing anything at all without paying a Christmas, penny. Christmas comes early. Right. Uh, and we had, yeah. we had uh, Adam Edlin on the show a while back and we talked about some of his big solar projects that are happening. Some of them are in Eastern Kentucky. Mm -hmm. I think we just saw a notice yeah. of one that's happening with, uh, you know, state support uh, in, on a reclaimed coal mine site. It's really awesome stuff that can happen in Eastern Kentucky. I think you guys maybe do smaller scale stuff where you actually work with um, the folks who, you know, uh, just on their business. Tell us a little bit about how, how solar can help people uh, save money on their rates. So, yeah, we do. We, uh, we have actually been working with, um, with that, that count, that project in Martin County a little bit as well, but yeah, most of the time we're working with uh, much smaller customers. These are folks um, who, you know, they, they're, they come to us and they say, look, our bills are too high. What can we do? And uh, one of the things, if it makes sense, we suggest, you know, solar is a is a way to reduce your utility bills in the long term um, because it stabilizes. You know, rates are going to go. Rates keep going up every two years. Uh, you know, KU and Kentucky Power are putting in for for rate increases, um, and so if you can reduce the amount of electricity you're using uh, through solar, then you're you're being protected. It's like a hedge against um, against these, these rate increases. And, you know, one of the things we've got folks who, um, uh, are seeing solar as a way to keep their doors open. You know, there are nonprofits that we're working with whose utility bills are just, are crippling them. And it's, you know, putting solar on their roof is lowering their bills enough that now they can, you know, they're seeing a path forward for their nonprofit, for example. Um, and it's just, you know, efficiency is cheaper. We always say start with efficiency, put those LED lights in, um, you know, put those programmable thermostats in. Um, but uh, solar can be, it, it can be, you know, it, it's just like efficiency in that it, it reduces your bill over time in the long term. You know, you're in the more money, the less money you're spending on electricity, the more money you have in your pocket for other things. Yep uh so important like the most the what the most affordable kilowatt is the one you don't use right so uh exactly. absolutely looking to uh reduce that is it and did you guys is this is a story i've heard uh did you work with is it the coal museum is that you did you because i hear that the coal museum actually has solar uh panels on the on it they do and we were i think tangentially this was before my time tangentially um connected to that. Uh, my colleague, Josh Bills is like, I don't think there's a solar project in the state that he hasn't been part of at some, at some point or another. And I think he, he was, you know, helped out a little bit with some, you know, advice on that one, but yeah, the, the, um, the, the coal museum in Harlan does have, have solar on it. And there's, there are, um, so Letcher County has so many, um, solar, solar, uh, projects, like just on rooftops, businesses, small businesses and nonprofits in Letcher County in far Southeast Kentucky, um, the heart of the coal fields. And we, you know, 
have helped so many folks down there put solar on. So anyone, um, you know, for example, investor in utilities who are trying to say that solar is just for rich people in Lexington and Louisville and Northern Kentucky clearly has never been to Eastern Kentucky to see what solar is doing in that, in that region. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of irony there. And I think it's hotly appropriate that you guys are there helping because, you know, the, is coal communities that have been, you know, largely abandoned, left behind. There was not sustainable economic models for those communities. Uh, and once, you know, coal stopped being profitable, uh, folks were just left, you know, left behind. So I'm, I'm glad you guys are there. I'm glad you're working with communities. Uh, tell us a little about some of the federal programs that, um, you know, my last question for you, uh, tell us about some of the federal programs that are either kind of in the pipeline or are, you know, currently being a program? Because I know there was the America Rescue Plan dollars that kind of came out, kind of helping communities that are dealing with COVID. That was, of course, you know, the the rescue plan was, you know, Joe Biden's first legislative accomplishment. Uh, did not get a single Republican in Kentucky to support that. Uh, it was all Democrats that passed it. Just reminding everyone, no matter who shows up at the ribbon cutting, uh, Andy Barr, uh, we know you voted against the, against the bill. Uh, and I'm not, I know that you guys are, I'm sure, nonpartisan. These are my words, not yours, Carrie. Uh, but really important to underscore that th those monies are, are flowing, right? And things are happening. Uh, we've also got the Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, which is now the Inf bipartisan infrastructure law. That's where we did have some uh, Republican support. Mitch McConnell voted for it. I'll give him credit for that. That's about it. Uh, I don't know that other folks uh, actually did. I don't think the rest of our delegation voted for it. Uh, but, you know, socialist uh, roads and bridges. Um, but, you know, what's that, what do those programs look like? How are they helping folks and how will they help folks in Eastern Kentucky? So there's still a lot of, um, you know, question marks about what the money, how the money is going to make it from the federal government down to the communities. Um, but for example, in the, the American Rescue Plan Act, there is money for local governments that is basically just to backfill their coffers you know, for lost revenue. And that is money that you, that could be used um, for these efficiency projects, for solar projects, for projects that, um, you know, will lower overhead. So um, that's one very clear way that uh, local governments can take advantage of some of this funds, some of these funds. Um, there's in the infrastructure bill, there is, um, money, excuse me, money earmarked for um, efficiency in schools. Um, there's, um, you know, money for battery storage projects, for uh, renewable energy projects. Again, how exactly that's going to make it down um, to us is, a, is remains to be seen. But, you know, the international, the interagency working group on coal communities is um, working hard to, I think, help folks navigate all of these questions about, you know, there's workforce development programs, there's, you know, just, there's a lot um, of, of opportunity here. And it's an interesting position to be in, in that it used to be like, our question was, how are we going to get, how are we going to be able to pay for this? And now it's, the question is, how are we going to um, take advantage of all of this, uh, all of this, this federal support. It's a nice, a nice sea change. And I know that the, um, the state office of energy policy is, is working on ways to, um, you know, help communities access this fund in a way that, that makes sense and isn't overly burdensome. And I think that they're, they've been a great partner. We were working with them, um, on some of this energy efficiency for local governments and nonprofits in the region. And, um, they have said that that's something that they're, they're, they know that this is confusing. Um, you know, there's a lot of red tape with the federal government and they want to make it easy for folks. Um, so when we know more, we will be helping folks get uh, get that money as best we can. We did it, we've done it before. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I think that's a really important role for nonprofits kind of, who can have, who've got the bandwidth to kind of work through. So, you know, no matter how streamlined it is, it will be cumbersome and, you know, a very strapped, uh, you know, group in Eastern Kentucky might not have the time and the energy and whatever. So having the ability to, uh, you know, work through that for people is I think really, really useful. Um, all right. So I think Doug might have a question. Uh, you know, my dog has a question clearly. 
but uh, you probably wouldn't understand it. I don't understand it. It's just growling. Uh, but uh, Doug, do you have a question that's more understandable? Uh, sure, Kerry. Um, you may have touched on this a little bit already, but uh, I, I kind of go, my thought process would be, I'm a homeowner. I come to you guys and my electric bill is, is crazy. And of course, you're going to analyze it and that kind of thing. But you also look at uh, this house has no uh, or very poor insulation or there are things that they can do or, or maybe you can help them with and tie that in with these, the non nonprofit bank where they're able to obtain loans to do some winterization or is that part of the, uh, the procedure process, I guess? Well, our, um, our organization works with, doesn't work with homeowners, unfortunately, ex with the exception of okay. uh, folks who are in a, uh, in a few uh, rural electric co-op territories. We have a, we, a pilot program called uh, House Smart Kentucky, which is an on-bill financing um, or pay-as-you-save program, which is awesome. And we wish more utilities were offering this. Um, Google House Smart Kentucky, you'll learn more. Um, but you just, but if you were a small business owner um, and you came to us with those questions, we would, we do, um, after we do the utility bill analysis, we do an on-site energy efficiency audit. Um, so we would come out, we would look at your, you know, your lights, your HVAC, your insulation, your, you know, air sealing, where are the cracks in your, in around your windows? Um, and then, you know, write a report of recommendations and we're not contractors. We always say we're not trying to sell people on things because no one ever believes like that we're offering a free service with no strings attached. Um, but we are, uh, so we just, or we want to give folks the expert advice that they need to make the right decision for their business uh, or nonprofit and the, you know, for their needs and their in within their budget. So, you know, we'll write a list of recommendations saying, you know, if you changed out all your lights to LEDs, it would cost X dollars and it would save you X dollars and it would pay for itself in, you know, eight months. Um, and then we can connect. If, if folks want to make those those um, upgrades, we can connect them with financing um, at the Mountain Association, you know, if they're eligible for it. Um, and there's federal grants. We help folks apply for the Rural Energy for America program grant. There's state grants if you're a farm um, that we help folks apply for the, uh, it just changed its name. That's the Kentucky Ag Development Funds on-farm energy grant. There's community facilities grants. Um, and so, you know, we there's rebates. If you're on KU, you can still access um, energy efficiency rebates. Um, and, you know, so we're, we really just want to give people the information that they need and then we will, we'll, you know, guide them through the process of making those upgrades if they want. Awesome. That's right? a so if you're a home owner, I'm sorry. We, that's just not our, that's not <laughs> our, uh, within our, our charter. Nothing for you, Doug. Uh, so, all right. Kimberly, do you have a question for Carrie? I mean, Miss Carrie Ray is just phenomenal in my opinion. I, she, all the questions I had in my head, she's already answered them. So uh, just thank you for being with us. I've learned a lot uh, tonight, and I just want to say thank you. You're welcome. I'm sorry. I, I, I guess you had a lot of questions about utility bills and what's on your utility bill. Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Uh, all right. So, hey, Carrie, a any final thing? don't look at them. They don't, they don't look yeah. at their utility bills. It's just something that you pay, and you don't pay attention yeah. to it. As a bit of a utility watchdog, you want to weigh in on Kentucky uh, utilities' efforts to cut down all our trees in Lexington. You want to—is that a, something that uh, the Mountain that Association? Is, you know, Lexington is not our service territory, but I live in Lexington, um, and so it. Uh, well, I will refrain from getting on my soapbox, but uh, the utilities, our investor-owned utilities, uh, don't really have any reason to listen. Like what's what can we do like yeah. they can cut down all of our trees because we don't you know we don't have a choice we can't switch over to another utility we have to buy our power from kentucky utilities yeah regulated and, utility and that, there should be regulation that saves the trees we need some regulation in there yeah the trees 
Yeah. If you want to join me, as great me, as our Carrie, PSD is right now, I don't think they have anything to do with the trees, unfortunately. Yeah, I know. If you want to join me in my protest, I am putting uh, leaves and branches uh, in my bill when I mail it back to, to KU so that they have to deal with uh, the uh, in their processing machines. Uh, I think it's like, you know, it is, you know, it's like saboteurs, right? You're throwing things in the gears. I am throwing pine needles in the gears because uh, I'm so annoyed at those guys. Anyway, uh, thanks for coming in. Anything, anything you'd like to share with our audience? Let us know, like final words, how they can get involved, how they can support your work. I mean, if you are in Eastern Kentucky, uh, Appalachian Kentucky, uh, and you are a local government or a small business um, or a nonprofit, and you want an energy uh, audit, energy efficiency assessment, you can go to mtassociation.org and click on energy and learn more about our program. We would absolutely love to help you. Awesome. Give me a chance to get into my spreadsheets. <laughs> Do your billing review. All right. Can't keep her away from the utility bill spreadsheets. Uh, all right, Carrie, really do appreciate you coming on, uh, especially as I know you're kind of on holiday right now and uh, appreciate you taking the time to talk with us. I hope you'll come back maybe as these federal programs can be a little more clear, you know, how they're how they're helping folks in Eastern Kentucky. I think our, our audience would really like to hear more about it. Uh, but uh, have a great night. Have a great holiday. Uh, I'm going to throw it to Kimberly uh, to, to close down the show for us. Thank you, Aaron. Um, First of all, we are taking a break next week. So don't tune in live. We're not going to be there. But on the Facebook page, you can go and see, you know, previous programs. Maybe you missed one and you want to get caught up. Uh, they'll all be on the Facebook page called Progress Kentucky. So you know what we're going to be doing. We're going to all be celebrating the holiday season as the way that kernels of truth do. And we'll be back with a new show in January, 2022. So we don't have our guests quite pinned down yet, but I will personally guarantee you they will be wonderful. So a little disclaimer right here, Progress Kentucky is a nonprofit organization registered with the Kentucky uh, Secretary of State, organized as a 501c4, is affiliated with the Indivisible Project and the Commonwealth Alliance Voter Engagement, otherwise known as CAVE. Progress Kentucky's goal is to educate, origin, organize, increase voter turnout, and advance a progressive agenda through civic engagement. Some graphic content was provided by Couchfire Media. Couchfire Media ignites multi-camera, live stream, educational, and commercial video production content. For more information, you can go on their website, which is couchfiremedia.com. Production this evening was by our own Miss Annabelle Nagel, and she is our social media chairperson. So thank you so much, Annabelle, during this holiday season for doing this for us and getting Kernels of Truth out to the people. Yay, Annabelle. So also the Jones Report will be coming back in January as well. In uh, the Jones Report, as you well know, is a weekly uh, live national, international and local talk and conversation show. And we're going to be coming on on Sundays and we're going to be having a contest. So if anybody is interested in sometimes coming on and sit in a guest seat as a actual guest co-host, please go over to the Jones Report radio program page and message us and let us know. And thank you, Nate, for the theme songs. You can find more information and music. And I suggest you go to that website. And it's natosongs.com. That's N-A-T-O songs.com. And if you miss our weekly live stream on Facebook, don't worry. You can rewatch all shows and see our source links on Facebook. Our audio podcasts are available on Apple, Google, Spotify. And what can I say? Anywhere you get your podcast, 
you're going to possibly, you, you're most definitely are going to find us. So I just want to say Merry Christmas to everyone. Happy Hanukkah to everyone. Um, happy Kwanzaa to everyone. Happy holidays to everyone. And happy holidays and Merry Christmas to you, Miss Carrie Ray. Wonderful guest tonight. To the greatest host this side of the Mississippi well, running neck and neck with me, Mr. Aaron Viles, and always my true friend, Mr. Doug Price and Miss Annabelle. You all enjoy this time with your families and just be thankful for what we have because there are so many people right here in our own state that are not as fortunate as we are. And also, I just want to say, in case my baby girl is watching, as you all know, uh, she made captain in the Air Force, and she was deployed over in Doha, Qatar, or you may call it Qatar. She is home now. I hadn't seen her for over a year, and she is home now in Louisville, Kentucky. So we're going to have a great Christmas this year. <laughs> 